0: Well please turn with me back to Isaiah chapter 55 which we read and we're going to see this morning hopefully very simply three things. We're going to see an invitation, we're going to see a command and we're going to see a promise. (coughs) Firstly the invitation. I wonder for you what would be the most memorable invitation that you've ever received or sent Maybe for you, it was the invitation to marry the man or the woman of your dreams. Perhaps as you've got a bit older in life as grandparents, it was the invitation to come and see that first grandchild, for some people that's still to come. Perhaps much younger in life, it was the invitation to that new job or the first job, come and work for us. Younger again, some of our young people have had an invitation to go and study somewhere else because they've passed some exams and they can move on to the next stage of their life. One of the things you need to check with any invitation is who is it to? Sometimes you can get a wedding invitation and I need to check that it's Graham and Ruth and Thomas and Nathan and Sam and Chloe, or isn't it them? Well, this invitation here is headed in the new king james at least an invitation to abundant life well which of us here wouldn't want that but it gets specific because the first thing we see in this invitation is it's to those who are thirsting for water now i guess through this summer you will know what it means to be thirsty and to be hot wasn't that long ago was it that days over 30 degrees temperature in the UK used to be very rare and now it seems seems like it's happening all the time maybe one or two of you have traveled abroad maybe you've flown somewhere like Spain and as you fly over the land if you're not over the wing and you can see you can see how dry and dusty and parched the ground looks we went to Jersey for a week so still technically in the UK but down near the coast of France, and it was the same. The ground was brown and dry and hard. We went to a reservoir for a walk in Wales recently, at Talibans, it was half empty, not much water there. I wonder if one or two of you, when you go away, you'll ask your next door neighbor or a friend to come and water your plants in your garden. Because if you do, they'll stay lovely and bright and abundant, to use the word here, but if you don't, and you're away for a while, they'll die. Come, you who are thirsty. But I guess we've all seen the suffering of people who are desperate for food and clean water. Maybe some of you were here when Ben Griffin came on a Wednesday evening and told us of the work being done in Burkina Faso where they would drill about 50 feet or so underground to try and extract clean and safe water for the people to drink and to grow crops with and to clean themselves with, because water is so precious in some parts of the world. And I'm sure when Keith will go to Kenya, he can tell us of the same issue there. Come, all you who are thirsty. And I wonder if you could imagine standing at that new well and inviting the people of the village who haven't had that water before, now you can come and you can drink if you're thirsty. And what a difference between those who come and those who don't come may literally be life and death. The invitation is to those who are thirsty. The invitation is also in verse one to those who can't buy. Are you hungry? Then come and eat. You've no money? Don't worry, come and buy food with no money. If you don't know yourself already, You don't need to look too far on the media to see what life is like for those with no food, for those with no money to buy food, for those refugees perhaps in a war-torn country, or those who are struggling under a cruel and harsh regime, and for those who've got no means to grow food or to support themselves and their families. Even in our own city, there's people who can see food in shops but can't afford to buy it. Even where I work, there are many homeless people and they're gathering and begging and sometimes being moved on by the police outside a supermarket where inside is all the food that they could want if only they could buy it. Imagine taking one of these friends around the supermarket and says, you can have whatever you want, take it. You can have it at no cost. Isaiah's invitation says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the water. Come, have buy wine and milk and food without money and without price. And in verse two, the invitation is also to those who are chasing after the wrong things. See what he says here in verse two, why do you spend your money on what is not bread? Why are you focusing your labor on what does not satisfy? Now, isn't that the story for so many, money and its pursuit? the never-ending demand for possessions, the latest gadget. I wonder how many of your Christmas presents or birthday presents have sat in a drawer, only been used once or twice, maybe still unopened. How many of those new clothes have you never really worn? How much did you focus and plan on that holiday, only to feel just the same when you got back as you did when you went? Why are you doing that? asks the lord through his prophet why chase after these things which will not satisfy you why don't you listen diligently to me he says in verse 2 and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance because we need to ask who is this from who would say this? Who would say these sorts of things? What is this water that you're inviting us to come to? Why are you talking about buying wine and milk and bread? Well, of course, the invitation is to spiritual things, isn't it? In verse 3, we have incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. You see, Isaiah is pointing us to somebody far greater than he. Far greater than you, far greater than I. This isn't an invitation to the best party you can think of or the best church barbecue that we might ever have. Because there really is someone who can do these things that Isaiah is talking about. There really is someone who can feed the hungry and satisfy the thirsty. We read about him a couple of chapters before in Isaiah 53. We heard about him last Sunday night when Don Chris came to speak about the feeding of the 5,000, about how the Lord Jesus created food for a huge crowd out of just five small loaves of bread. Because this invitation is to come and to trust in the Lord Jesus. And look at these pictures of the Lord that we see here Even in these verses, he's described as the water which quenches our thirst. And you can think about in somewhere like John chapter 14 and verse 13, where Jesus says to the woman he meets at the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. You go home, you turn the tap on, you have a glass of water. An hour or two later, you'll be thirsty again. But Jesus says, everyone who drinks the water which I give him, will never thirst again. And indeed the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. That lady thought Jesus was talking about ordinary water, but he was talking about eternal and lasting water of life. See here in these verses also the description of bread, the bread which feeds us. And even last Sunday night, we heard from John chapter 6 about that account in the feeding of the 5,000 where the Lord Jesus said, "'I am the bread of life. "'Here is the bread which comes down from heaven "'by which a man may eat and never die. "'I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. "'And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever.'" As good as the barbecue is tomorrow, you'll be hungry again on Tuesday. But anyone who eats of this bread will live forever. So water, where you will never thirst again, bread, which you may eat of and will never die, and milk, which nourishes us. Parents know only too well, don't they, that children need milk when they're young to grow. and Susanna are going to learn this very quickly. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, he writes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And in verse 1, we see this picture of wine. Remember how Jesus in John chapter 2 changed the water into wine at the wedding at Cana and everyone said, he has saved the best until last. In this chapter of Isaiah, we're invited to come to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Verse three says, incline your ear, listen, listen, and come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. It's no ordinary food and no ordinary water, but it's an extraordinary invitation from an extraordinary God, because the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. He was born in a baby at Bethlehem. He was unique because he never sinned. He never broke any of God's laws. He was God's own son. And as we turn back that page in Isaiah chapter 53, we saw him prophesying all of the terrible things that were gonna happen and were going to be done to Jesus, that he was gonna suffer. We saw that he was gonna be despised and rejected by people. We saw that pain was gonna be inflicted upon him, that he would be held in the lowest esteem or regard. But we saw that he would take our sin upon himself. We saw that he would be pierced for our transgressions, bruised, battered for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and that by his wounds we are healed. You see, right there is a snapshot of the gospel story. That as a way of salvation, that as a way of forgiveness, you couldn't make it up, could you? But this is what God's word says and this is what actually happened. And if you tell all that to somebody, they might ask you, why? Why did those terrible things need to happen to Jesus? Why did he have to come and then go through this? Well, we read it in Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 6, because we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us, every one of us here, every one of us out there has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all who believe and trust in him. And that's why the Lord Jesus came. And so this invitation is to come to him and trust him that we might have this abundant life of which this chapter speaks. And so that we might not face the judgment that we deserve. You might know the hymn which puts it now, none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus found in thee so there's an invitation and secondly there's a command in these verses there's a command in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 55 and the command is this to seek the Lord we've seen an invitation to come to him we've seen that it's to us it's to you if you're sitting here We've seen that the Lord Jesus gave himself on the cross for our sins. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what do we need to do with this invitation? We read in verse three, here and your soul shall live. Well, in verse six of Isaiah 55, we find a command. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to our God and he will have mercy on them. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. We see in Isaiah 53 just what? the Lord Jesus Christ went through. We see the suffering he endured to take the sin of his people. Why did he do it? He had to do it so that you and I may come to this God and find his forgiveness. But there's something that you have to do if you haven't done it already. See, when you get an invitation, we thought about invitations, you have to reply to it. You have to respond to it. If you ignore the invitation to a wedding, well, if you turn up, you might find your name's not on the list and you're not at the table. If you've applied to university and you get all the stuff back and then you don't write back to the one you want to go to, well, your place might go. It won't be there. And Isaiah urges, urges us and urges us passionately that we need to seek the Lord. When? Next week? Next month? You know when I was about 14, 15 I used to think it's probably true all this stuff but I'll deal with it when I'm older. Being a teenager is too much fun. There's too much else to do. I'll, I'll live my life as a teenager and then maybe when I go to uni or something then I'll think about it more seriously. But God had other ideas and when I was about 15 or 16 sat in a meeting i was convinced that i had to come and seek the lord while he may be found because who knows how many days we may have young people if you don't listen to anything else from this message listen to this so much of life is formed while we're young when we've got energy when we've got time when we've got ability when we can think so clearly not that i can't but you know what i mean Who knows when our time may be up? Who knows if like the Psalm says we get 70 or 80 years? Well, however many years we do get that Psalm, in Psalm 90 says they're soon over and we fly away. We need to call upon him while he is near and while you can hear his voice. So anyone like you who comes to church every week, that's a privilege. And that's a blessing. Anyone brought up in a Christian home, aren't you thankful for it? Anyone who comes to Sunday School or BBB or Impact or whatever your youth things are, and hears the Bible taught clearly and hears it taught passionately, aren't you thankful for that privilege? You could thank one of your leaders afterwards and tell them. And for you at the moment, the word of God is near. It's here. You're hearing it, it's in your hand, it's on your phone. But it is possible to drift and to get cold and to get a hard heart and for for God's voice, well, actually you prefer to listen to other voices, to the voices of the world, to the voices out there. And Isaiah has a word for the world. He says in verse seven, he says, the wicked, that's, that's us that's them. He says the wicked need to turn away from their old ways. How many ways are there? How many different ways are there for people to sin and to live against God's commands? It's a staggering number, isn't it? You you could write a list and not stop. But there has to be a difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, because we have to turn from our old ways. We have to do what the Bible calls repenting, And turn to him and to come and to say to God something like I want to stop sinning because I know that I can only do that with your help and with the help of your spirit I want to trust in you alone I want to place my hope of eternity in your hands believing that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for me at the cross of Calvary and took my place have you done that yet friends because this is the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important. And Isaiah says and goes on in verse seven to say, the unrighteous man needs to give up his thoughts. What stuff is there in our minds? How does it all get there? Just think about that for a moment. How does all this stuff get into our minds and stay there like it's seared in? There's things in your your mind and my mind that you want to forget. But you've seen it, or you've heard it, or you've watched it, or you've spoken it. Don't we need the Lord to help us and to make us new? But we're told in God's word what we should think about. Somewhere like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure or lovely or of good report, if there's any virtue in anything praiseworthy, then think on these things. We can only do that with God's help and by his Spirit. But if we come to him, if we seek the Lord while he may be found, if we call on him while he is near, if we say we want to give up our old ways and our old thoughts, then what? then what will happen? If we follow this command, what will happen? Well, it says the answer wonderfully, doesn't it, to us in verse 7, that he will have mercy upon us, that he will abundantly pardon. I don't know what you may have done in your life. You don't know what I may have done, but the Lord will pardon us if we come to him. In fact, it says he will abundantly pardon. He'll do more than We can even imagine or think. And so if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, if you seek him, if you throw yourself upon his mercy, then you will find him. God promises that that's the case, that he will welcome you, that he will pardon you. Did you think that you could go out of here today different to how you came in? We're promised that he will have mercy upon us, that he will Pardon us. If you know you need to come to this Lord Jesus today, then don't delay. Call on him while he may be found. Talk to one of us if you want to know more and accept this invitation that is offered to you here in God's word. Follow this command which the Lord gives us. And finally, we're going to see a promise. A promise in verses 9 to 13. What conditions are attached to this invitation? Well not many really. The invitation doesn't say to come if you can afford it. The invitation doesn't say to come if you're special or if you're privileged or if you're on a particular list. The invitation in these verses says if you are thirsty then come to the water. If you are hungry, then come, listen to me and your soul shall live." And so we give that same message out today, don't we? And if we're honest, and I didn't know Paul was gonna say what he said, but if we're honest, it's hard work sometimes, isn't it? The ground is hard, like Paul said. We thought about that in the parable of the sower ourselves a few weeks ago. But we can see two things from these verses As we close, as we give out the word of God, we see that God commands us to do it. But we also see that God's word will accomplish his purposes. So God commands us to do it. You could read somewhere like Luke chapter 14 at the parable of the great banquet where Jesus ends it with a request to go out into the country and bring in the poor and bring in the needy and bring in the lame. Or somewhere like Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. In Romans chapter 10 we read, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him unless they hear? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We're commanded to share the word. Just a few chapters back in chapter 45, Isaiah says, look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. We're commanded to share this word. But we see that God's word will accomplish his purposes because sometimes we can get discouraged sometimes we can think not much is happening and yet the Lord tells us in verse 9 as high, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth actually my ways are not like your ways my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are not the same as your thoughts the Lord knows that sometimes we might find this difficult the Lord knows that sometimes we might be tempted to discouragement. The Lord knows that we might think that nothing is happening or that no one's been saved or that everyone is still in their own ways and thoughts like it says in verses six and seven. But our ways are not his ways. His ways are higher than our ways and we sometimes don't know what he's doing and until he's done it. So the people preaching in the open air I think Warren was in an open air yesterday. Do we preach? I'm talking to you today but actually I know most of you aren't really going to listen and there might be one or two who will but we don't preach like that do we? We preach to everyone who can hear. Josh has been away on beach missions for a couple of weeks and they don't start the meeting by saying well I know most of you are going to ignore what I'm going to say but will the person who might be saved you, you come to the front. We don't preach that way. We call and tell people to hear so that they might live. We'll do holiday Bible club next month or in October and we'll put God's word and his claim before all who are there and we trust him. We trust the Lord for the rest, don't we? For the harvest because there is this wonderful promise in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. Isaiah 55 verse 11, and it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper for the thing which I sent him. And so that's why. Knowing that promise, knowing that God says this and knowing that God will do what he says, we can still invite people to church We can still invite children to hbc we can still speak to our neighbors or workmates or people that we meet about this god about this jesus about why he came about why the lord died and rose again for this is god's word and he is in control of the harvest we thought about that farmer who scattered the seed on all sorts of ground the hard ground We know some people won't be interested in this invitation. We know that some people might take it and look at it for a bit and put it to one side. And we know that some might come along for a while and then after a bit we're discouraged because the things of the world take over again in their life. But this is what we do know, that some people will hear and some will respond and some will grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because they are his people and they have heard the invitation which has been given to them and they have responded and they've they've taken this command to seek the Lord while he may be found and God has worked in them and his word has accomplished its purpose and so because of this promise of God we can faithfully and we compassionately take out this invitation to all who will hear trusting in God that his word will accomplish what he pleases. So as we close, are you thirsty? Are you hungry for spiritual things? Do you know that you need to be right with God? Then call upon him while he is near. Hear his voice. Call on him while you are hearing his word while you were part of a church, while you were part of a Christian home, while you're with his people. Because the Lord promises to hear all who will call. And the Lord says that he will abundantly pardon.